Hello, I'm Bruce Valanche from Hollywood Squares. I was just to the left of Whoopi, if that's possible. You're watching the Walter Paisley Movie House. Welcome to the Walter Paisley Movie House, where we strive to be the best kind of terrible influence. Coming to you from Nilbog Manor Studios, our music is by Jonathan Harmon, and I am your host, Dylan Rari. We are brought to you in part by our partner sponsor, Can Can Cinema and Brasserie, a nonprofit cinema in the heart of Indianapolis. Be sure to check out their AB Club series, including a monthly cult movie hosted by yours truly. Today we've got part two with Michael J. Weldon, founder of Psychotronic Magazine and the many psychotronic stores he's had. Today we get into how he founded that magazine and how his first store came to fruition in New York City. We also talk about the joys of low-budget films and when it can turn to low-budget fatigue. He and I talk about movies that are even too tasteless for him and the joys of Devo. He is really a guy who's had a lot of influence on me, and I was so happy to be able to spend time with him. I hope you guys are enjoying it, too. So, here comes Michael J. Walton, part two. Enjoy. So, let's let's get to that. You've got the Psychotronic Video Store, and uh, that was... i got to go through my notes here. What year was that? Do you know offhand? I'm Honestly... It was basically, basically early 90s. Okay. Okay, and that was Post Magazine. There we are. Sorry. Listeners, honestly, I can't tell you the number of notes that was sent to me. It's just great. Um, but I have to dig through them to, to find the stuff well, here. But um, We started the, the actual Psychotronic Magazine mm-hmm. around just before we opened the store. So they were happening at the same time. Okay. And as you're doing the magazine and the store... Um, what what was your motivation really for for starting all of that well i had as you maybe know uh started writing about movies in cleveland mm-hmm. late 70s uh moved to new york started my weekly movies on tv psychotronic which was ann littered and xerox did that for a few years and then i got a book deal i couldn't do them both Mm-hmm. So I did the book. And then a few years passed by and had been thinking about doing more of a real magazine, if you want to call that, although it, it really was a fanzine, but it, you know, got some real distribution anyway. Yeah. And um, uh, part of doing the magazine and doing the store was to get out of my long rut of working for other people for minimum wage. I get that. And that worked out. That worked out. (laughs) Well, I worked from. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I I just, uh, I worked for many years in restaurants, followed by many years in record stores. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of that was great and fun and some of it wasn't, but I had had enough. Yeah. That's a good enough reason to break out and start doing it on your own. I'm yep. um, I'm sitting here right now. I've got uh, I, I own a stack. I don't even know how many psychotronic video guides I own um, or psychotronic magazines. I mean, um, start. Yep. I started. I was able to start with number nine. I'm still trying to get the full series, uh, but mm-hmm. I've got nine through. Where am I now? I oh, I forget uh, when I'm looking uh, up to your. 10th anniversary issue um 
is what I've got. So I've got a, I've got a fairly good stack. What nine through twenty nine? Um, okay. That that I just kind of they're great just to go back to and look through, but um, yeah, here's the one with Patrillo and and we've got Drew Friedman and James Coburn and and so you're talking to these people, some of which are John Vernon. Um, people who are established character actors or older character actors and mm-hmm. also the young hip people like a young drew friedman how are you making these contacts and able to get these people to start interviewing them okay well i i did some interviews myself the majority of them were done by people i knew or people who just got in touch with me and said i got this interview do you want it mm-hmm. or i could do this interview do you want me to do it and if if the interview hadn't already been done, I would do research ahead of it and, you know, even provide some questions. Mm-hmm. And whether it had already been done or not, I would add to it after it was done. I used to, you know, pre-internet, I'd do a lot of research at um, Lincoln Center Film Library. Yeah. Uh, looking at microfilm, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but uh, as far as, like... Uh, somebody like Drew Friedman or the other uh, artists and cartoonists that we had doing, um, you know, column heads and everything. I met a lot of them uh, in New York in the early 80s. Many of them had been involved in a a short-lived but great publication called Stop. And uh, some of those people had been with with Punk magazine. Okay. And... uh, I, you know, there was like a, a a bunch of amazing artists in New York that I I met, uh, many of them through a a guy who later wrote a column for me named Dale uh, Ashman. Oh, okay. Uh, he he collects he collects underground art. He knows he knows like all those people. Okay. And uh, and you know just the the incredible scene of everything in New York. You meet people and they introduce you to other people and yeah. Uh, so were you like were you rubbing elbows with like legs McNeil people like that? Um, I, I met him. He interviewed me once for something. Okay, uh, but I, I I knew John Holstrom better. Okay, uh, he yeah. was with um, he was with uh, Stop, also J D King, and uh, John Holmstrom later was a uh, an editor at High Times. So I got to write for them for a while. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, just there's so many amazing people I met back then. When you're being called on to write on whatever subject it is they're coming at you with, are there things that you find more interesting than others? I mean, obviously movies oh, yeah. captured you, but what other things are out there that you're going after that you like to write about? Well, after the magazine was around for a while, I wanted to uh, put more music in there. Mm-hmm. So we started having more band member interviews. Uh, the first one I did myself was uh, Davy Allen from Davy Allen and the Arrows, as I had been a big fan of his records. Mm-hmm. Never saw him live, never met him, but good guy and good, you know, amazing guitar player. And then we we got kind of like odd music related uh, uh, interviews that I really enjoyed, like Pete Best from the Beatles. And David Marks from the Beach Boys, and the surviving members of the Alice Cooper Band, <laughs> and uh, I got to do a 
uh, I really was into doing a, a feature about the uh, Cleveland uh, syndicated TV show Upbeat, um, which I grew up watching and uh, had all kinds of amazing people on it. I mean, this is a local Cleveland show. Mm-hmm. The Velvet Underground was on there. The Sonics were on there. And pretty much anybody that was like garage rock and psych and, and Motown and R&B, mm-hmm. Otis Redding, James Brown. Wow. They had all these amazing people on there. And it was all done in this TV studio in Cleveland. Very cool. Were you going to those shows that, that were the TV show? Or were you just watching them on TV? Just watching them on TV. Yeah. When you started bringing music in to Psychotronic, um, when you have something that is focused on, let's say, movies and and television, basically the fringe of those, and then you want to introduce a new piece of media to it, did you feel the need to address that at all? Or did you just say, you know what, this is my magazine. If I want to throw music in, I'm going to throw music in. What you just said, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, some, sometimes I, I, I'd put in something because it appealed to me and it would get out of control. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I liked writing about, you know, Gilardi, the horror movie ghost. Absolutely. I was uh, going to get to him. And, yeah, and, you know, I wrote about him and interviewed him and met him, and mm-hmm. I was really into that. And kind of a, a spinoff of that is the fact that he used to play uh, Papa Umau Mau on his show a lot so we got an interview with um the leader of the the rivingtons that that did the original papa umau mau Mm -hmm. and i started realizing just how much that song was copied and remade (laughs) and i was not prepared for the amount of mail i got for years about that um (laughs) different songs from all over the world that you know borrowed from papa umau mau and surfing bird surfing bird Absolutely. It it got to the point where, you know, I could have made a whole magazine about Papa Umau Mau and Servant Bird, practically. It's it's amazing. And the number of punk bands that grew out of those two songs, uh, you Mm -hmm. you, you could just write a book on that. (laughs) The fact that the the Cramps and the Ramones Mm -hmm. both recorded it early in their career. Yes. Yeah, that it, it is. It's and it's. What's more interesting, like you were talking earlier about, um, like the ventures and bands like that. How many surf bands came from the Midwest? Is oh, kind of fascinating in and of itself. Uh, just, yeah. but it it's just kind of a strange phenomenon that these these surf bands were were popping up from the Midwest and then maybe going out to the West Coast, but for the most part, they were just touring regionally. Yeah, I, I love surf music when. You know, there were hits on the radio, but I didn't really know anything about those people. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, who were the pyramids? Right. And then I, I, I saw them in one of those beach party movies, and it's right. like, oh, my God, they're bald. <laughs> so you're, you've got this magazine. You're writing about things that you love. You've got a lot of passion for, obviously. Um as it's growing and more people are finding out about it, um, for me, it was, uh, you know, I, I would get occasional, I, I was, I've talked about it on here before where I'd, I'd get to see these movies because the back of Fangoria magazine or, or other similar magazines, you could find those personal ads and people would want to swap videos. 
And so you yeah. just end up getting weird shit from people all over. And I'd get the occasional psychotronic magazine and just pour over it. Um, it, it fascinated me. Uh, for our younger listeners, pre-internet, you had to do everything by mail talking to complete strangers. So uh, right. that was that was kind of how I got. Since you mentioned Fangoria, mm-hmm. I got to be friends with Bob Martin right after he became editor. Okay, and I really, I really think he needs, he deserves a lot of credit for um, promoting what was going on in horror uh, in in the eighties. Oh, absolutely! They, they were right on all the new stuff, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, was it? I think didn't one of the Fangoria did did he co-edit with you on the film guide? Uh, Bob wrote a, a few of the reviews in my okay. first book. Okay. As okay. did uh, Akira Fitton and Charlie Beasley. Okay. Who were yeah. both involved really early with Psychotronic. When when you got to the larger books, um, I've also got my my Psychotronic video guidebook sitting here. Uh, it's mm-hmm. well worn. I've I've read it cover to cover many times. When you were Coming up with those books, especially the video guide, which is, if listeners, if you haven't checked it out, you need to get your own copy and and just go through it. It's, I don't know how many hundreds of movies are in here, and it's short little blurbs on each one that capture so much of it so well. When you're having to take those longer reviews and cut them down, edit them down, get to the bare bones, but still allow it to cover what this movie means or is about how I don't want to ask how hard is that job I know it's hard Mm -hmm. but how often are you just staring at one and going I don't know how to you know Sonny Boy how am I going to make Sonny Boy make sense in a small blurb Um, well you know (laughs) I I always like writing short uh, reviews Mm -hmm. and not some of mine got lengthy, but most of them were short and to the point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I kind of like just to put out the bare facts, some interesting things, and maybe what I thought about it. And, um, you know, I was probably influenced by Leonard Malton books and uh, yeah. reviews in Castle of Frankenstein, some written by Joe Dante. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you know uh, Fran Lebowitz and interview. You know? Yes, I used to read those. Yeah, but um, yeah, Sunny Boy. Okay, that's an interesting movie. I actually saw that on Forty Second Street, nice. and was totally a fan of uh, David Carradine, mm-hmm. and was totally amazed by that movie. It, I mean, who wouldn't be? You know, right. and, yeah, and then. I'm not sure if I remember the facts here, but the guy who directed that maybe had something to do with the residents. I think uh, maybe their videos. Maybe I I don't remember offhand. Yeah, yeah I, I kind of think he, they did because I mean that was kind of a surreal, odd, yeah. oddball movie. You know? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, and yeah, the the whole cast was amazing in that movie. I'm pull. I'm looking right now. I'm pulling it up in my book. As we're talking, mm-hmm. uh, let's see. Directed Robert Martin Carroll. Uh, okay. 
I don't know if he's... This is odd because this is the second time The Residence has come up on this podcast. I had um, Mitch Friedman who saved uh, Stairway to Stardom, the public access show from New York. He he was able to digitize a lot of those tapes and put them out. He was obsessed with them and actually got to meet the band when he was in San Francisco. Um, I never did see them, and my favorite album by far by them is Third Reich and Roll. And when I was in Cleveland and at the record store, we put on you know rock shows, quite mm-hmm. a few of them. And in some of the earlier ones, before the bands came out, we would show Devo and Residence videos. And both of those bands kind of got started doing videos, and they were all amazing. Yeah. They... And, yeah I'm just looking at, at the review for, uh, for Sonny Boy here. Yeah, Brad Dourif, amazing actor. Yeah. We had an interview with him. Sidney Lassick, I should have interviewed him, but I had to lunch with him. Um, those are the main people in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a strange film. <laughs> yeah. So, of course, I love it. And that's, Psychotronic became for me, It. I grew up in southern Indiana in a very small town. So when mm-hmm. I was able to start seeing that there were other people out there who were into really weird shit, it it opened the world for me um, because, you know, without the internet, I didn't know. Um, yeah. You know, you've, I had a, I, my class had a hundred people in it. That's how small mm-hmm. the school I went to was. So when I was able to suddenly see, Hey, there's some other people out there who want to watch Herschel Gordon Lewis movies too. That really changed it for me. And it, and it really opened up a new, a new world for me. So, Hey, thank you for that. Um, Okay, but, but uh, when, you know, when I w- when I was a kid in a much bigger school, most of the time, hardly anybody around me was into the same kind of stuff as me. Yeah, I met some later on, but I went through a period where or people just treated me like I was nuts, and yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> they they were kind of horrified by what I was into, which is it was so mild at the time. But yeah, still. I remember having people over to the house and they'd see like horror movie posters on the wall and they'd go, what the <laughs> fuck is this? You know, they just were not into it at all. I, 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 one of my favorite things I ever did was um, I had a group of friends try to save me. And so they, they convinced me to come to a youth meeting and I was kind of set mm-hmm. front row center and the youth minister was obviously preaching at me and it was it's a whole long tale and it was a huge pain in the ass and i was pissed about it so the next weekend i had them all over and i showed them the exorcist so that was my revenge (laughs) well i i i i I unknowingly uh took a a catholic girl to see that in new york and that was a mistake And, you know, I I never had any friends trying to change me or reform me, but my father tried to. And part of his campaign to make me more normal was to have me baptized when I was a teenager. (laughs) Did it work? And and also to join also to join the Boy Scouts. No, it didn't work at all. Yeah, the Boy Scouts asked me to leave after three months. I get it. Oh, okay. Well, I, I was in, in in a little bit longer than that, but I just could not deal with wearing that uniform. Yeah. Uh, which was, you know, if you're at the at, at a campsite and everybody's got one on, fine. 
but I had to go to meetings after school and wear the uniform to junior high. It's like, no, Ugh. this is not working for me at all. Yeah. You know, I'm I trying s- to decide whether I want to look like the Beach Boys or the Beatles at this point. <laughs> I don't want to look like a Boy Scout at right. school. I always think of that uh, National Lampoon uh, article, The Real Boy's Life, where they're all sitting around the campfire giving each other hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, that that magazine was a kind of shocking magazine when it came out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, uh, you talk about counterculture magazines. They they were yeah. great. I, I, I still prefer Mad, but, but it yeah, had its moments. I do too. Were you getting into some of those in the 60s, like Zap Comics and, and of course, National Lampoon, those things that were that were really underground for the time. Were you able well, to, did you have access um, to those? Cause underground comics were hard to find and, mm-hmm. and the stores got busted for selling them. Yeah. Um, but I found a few of them and I thought they were amazing and later found out that our crumb had worked in, in a neighborhood I was familiar with in Cleveland at American greetings. And oh, wow. later on, found met people who knew him when he lived in Cleveland, <laughs> including Harvey Picar. Yep, Harvey Picar. And and, um, and I had a friend uh, who I knew since high school and was briefly in a band with, who, like several people I knew, I wouldn't say he ran away from home, but he left home and went to California. And he went to California and worked for I think it was the Print Mint, one of those. San Francisco underground comic publishers. Mm-hmm. And he came back with a whole pile of underground comics. Oh, how cool. He also came back with a beautiful girlfriend and a heroin habit. So it was a mixed blessing. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> yes. Oh, jeez. Was he able to kick, but, I hope? Um, Possibly, but he, he died young anyway. No, oh, I'm sorry um, to hear that. Yeah, well, but uh, underground comics... You know, I I was a fan of comic books like most kids mm-hmm. as a kid, but I kind of outgrew them pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, the last, I think, I was thinking about this. Um, I was into DC comics. Yeah. Um, that that was the thing for me. You know, those those silly old Batman and mm-hmm. and Superman comics. I loved them. And then I remember um, there was a new comic I liked called Metal Men, and that was one of the last ones I ever bought. And then underground comics show up and it's right. like, okay, this is different. This is new. I want these, but they were basically illegal. Mm-hmm. So among those, were you also seeing like Tijuana Bibles? Were those coming through with some of those? They are a little older, but um... yeah, they are. I, okay. I only saw one of those once in junior high school and before kind of drugs and hippies took over, we had greasers. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And there was one guy who basically was a greaser that I knew vaguely was in school with, and he showed me one. Nice. <laughs> That's the only time I saw one of those in person. I mean, those are way back in history, very yeah. underground, mm-hmm. impossible to find. Um, I guess there's probably a book about them. I don't there's know some it, collections, um, reprints and things like that out there. Um, I think Research Publications did a few back in Research. the late okay. 80s early 90s i think so i could be conflating them with something else i don't you know yeah. you know I, i'm older too and my memory goes and i smoked a lot of weeds so well there, there, there worse, should so. be a whole <laughs> there should be a whole book about about those 
Mm-hmm. And there also should be a whole book, if there isn't, about those, what are they called, uh, chick tracks? Chick or tracks are ones? amazing. I have a collection. Yes. Yeah. And those were those. easier to find because there were people wanting you to find Absolutely. those. Absolutely. Truck stops were notorious for having them just laying around everywhere. Somebody yeah. sent me, and I think they actually sent it with the intention of trying to save me. Somebody sent me several in the mail a few years ago. I was thrilled. Uh-huh. I was like, well, I don't know who did this, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, those those are collectible now, yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. They are, they're so earnest and just so goofy. I love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Big fan. Yep. So with... Um, God, I could go anywhere here because you're just into so much cool stuff. But when you started watching movies with the intent of writing these reviews for Psychotronic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're discovering all these films, what was your what were your resources at that time? We've talked a little bit about, you know, going to the library and doing researches for interviews. But how do you run across a film like like Sonny Boy or um Gosh, you can just go down the the. Well, Sunny Boy movies, actually but... played on Forty Second Street. Right. You said you'd you know, seen a that lot of movies there. like that. That's right. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, a lot of them were, you know, start. I was starting to watch things on on VHS mm-hmm. even before I had a VHS player. I, I besides all the record stores I worked at, I worked at two video stores, and one was on University Place in in New York, and they 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 were renting out. Uh, VHS players to people that came in like plastic suitcases. Yes. So I used I used to take one home you know, and <laughs> take home movies before I owned one. But most of the, everything in my first book was before I had, you know, videos. Right. Um, but by the second book, I was watching a lot of stuff on videos, and before uh, like Blockbuster took over the world for a while, mm-hmm. there were really funky mom and pop stores all over the place in Absolutely. New York that had the had the craziest movies that you never even heard of before. So that's how I saw a lot of them. When, when you were going into those stores, I mean, I can't imagine what they were like in New York. Um, were they, did you become the familiar face and they would be like, hey, uh, we've got something we think you'll be interested in when nope. every time you come in? Never no, anything never. like that. Okay. Nope, nope. <laughs> No, I just would go in and find stuff and rent it. You know, no, nobody was recommending stuff, and the people working in, in these particular stores, they wouldn't have been able to do that anyway. They didn't care. Right. It was just, you know, they were just renting out stuff. Yeah. What What would attract you to a film when you're in those video stores? Was it just the cover, or did you look at what it was about? Well, well, both. Yeah. And, you know, and I I, I was already aware that. So many movies were um, retitled, um, sold in in any deceptive way possible, mm-hmm. um, pretending somebody starred in it when they were only in it for one minute, uh, <laughs> pretending it was a horror movie when it was really a boring detective story. <laughs> so, you know, I, I tried to maneuver around all that deception, right. but it's impossible. Yeah. You know, you'd end up, you know, some movies you'd end up running the same movie three times under three different titles. <laughs> yeah, that still happens today. 
it's uh yeah. it's amazing where you can um what the the mutilator was actually i think called fall break originally and you you rent the mutilator but the title credit comes up and says fall break and you're wait what what am i watching <laughs> Did i get the right that, film? that's when i learned about Fangoria. i think bob martin interviewed the director of that movie oh okay they're doing mm-hmm. a sequel right now uh huh. joe castro i the fx artist i had on here and he's working on it um so i'm curious to see where it goes but <laughs> i actually got to talk to chris frieri who is a, a director i discovered through psychotronic with the uh he advertised in our magazine well i'm sorry he he took out ads for his movies yes. in our magazine. yeah yeah and that's i discovered him through that um yeah i think too you did a review of the orbitrons on there too that attracted yes. me and I don't remember which movie it was, but there was one movie he he directed where a chimpanzee was walking through a graveyard, and that just stood out from everything the else. The Stranger, yeah. The Stranger, okay. Yeah, it's a very interesting film. I really enjoy it. I liked everything he did. They're all fun. They're just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, he was one of those guys, I think he was surprised when I contacted him that somebody knew about his movies. And um you know, I said, oh, no, absolutely. I was watching these back in the early 90s when I'd, I'd get these underground video cassettes with them on it um, as I'd read about them, as I'd read about them in Psychotronic from him. And we, we talked a lot about your magazine and its influence on both of us. Um, but people like that, that you're you're meeting in New York or, or anywhere you're out in the world and you're meeting these people, does it feel like... Uh, you were attracting them or you were attracted to them as uh, you just got to know them? Like you're at a party and would people seek you out, the fringe element seek you out and talk to you about some weird movie they're making? After a while, sometimes, but mm-hmm. mostly that was through the mail. Mostly they'd, they'd send them to me. And, you know, along with all the major studio stuff I wrote about in the magazine, people would send me a lot of, if you call them underground, mm-hmm. you know, very low budget. Right. And I actually kind of got burned out on those after a while because I'd review whatever anybody sent in. And it's like, after a while, it's like, oh my God, do I have to watch this one? You know? <laughs> I was but about I did, to you ask, know? you know, did you have a, a scale that you would use to, whether or not it was going to make it to the magazine? Oh, I, I would review it even if I totally hated it or mm-hmm. was totally bored by it or totally disgusted by it or or wished I had my hour and a half of my life back. I would still review it. <laughs> what would you disgust know, as you? As long as I sent it in. What? what What would disgust you? What would be something, what would be an example of something that would be either too far for you or something that just didn't jive with you at all on a, uh, I guess, a moral level? Well, that's a good question, and uh, that goes all over the place. Uh, somebody sent me a, a porn movie, and I had seen my fill of porn movies since they started them, mm-hmm. so nothing new to me. But it was a it was a porn movie, and I couldn't tell you the name of it. I could maybe research it and figure it out. But it's when it was a mixture of, of hardcore porn and extremely well-done gore. And what I'm... What I remember is is people fucking in a room with mutilated bodies, and that was <laughs> at the time. It's like 
I'm not enjoying this. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, that became so common yeah. without the hardcore sex. It's common on television now. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, I grew up as a kid where I and other people in the audience would get excited if there was a decapitation scene. Sure. Or I remember seeing the mummy with Christopher Lee when his tongue was cut out. And it's yes. like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm seeing this. And just you know, little minor things. And, of course, that got more common and more common and more common. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, families sit around and watch, you know, The Walking Dead while they have dinner. You know? right. So, <laughs> and, and, you know, those, you know, like the guys that do the special effects so well were promoted like crazy by Bob Martin and Fangoria. That's mm-hmm. how a lot of them got started. Yeah. And became kind of cult stars. And they're really good at what they do. Um, but, well, that's an example. Right. You know, yeah. Uh, other ones were just, just, you know, more tedious than disturbing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I, I spent a lot of time as a kid looking for movies that were disturbing you know yeah. they were some of the best ones some of my sure. favorite ones <laughs> you know when when i saw um movies from the late 50s early 60s on tv when they were almost new mm-hmm. uncut it was fantastic um and i'm talking about movies like uh i don't know uh homicidal um horrors of the black museum uh Peeping Tom, that was a major Peeping one. Peeping Tom was, you know? yeah, that one's crazy. You know, I saw that as a kid, late night TV, uncut, mm-hmm. because, you know, they don't swear, there's no nudity, right. so they didn't They didn't cut it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but, but, you know, sometimes it's like, nah, I, I'm not enjoying watching this. And, I get but that. But that, that came later. And it's, it's strange, because there are movies from the past that, to me, are far kinkier, or far more disturbing than what you what you can find today. I always think of the black cat. Um, yeah. You know, uh, a guy who collects women, then murders them and floats them in formaldehyde and Lugosi comes back and flays him at the end. It's absolutely insane. And yeah. And uh, is, isn't his mansion built on a mass grave? I think. Yeah. From the war. Yeah. And it's like yeah. that weird art deco, that amazing art deco and huge. Yeah, that, that movie really, that movie really stands out. And from that same era, like Island of Lost Souls. Yes. Still is amazing to me. That, um, uh, uh it's Charles that Lawton, isn't it? Charles Lawton and the lead. Yeah, of that. Charles yeah. Lawton. And he plays him. He plays him gay. Frankly, it's very fay, very mischievous yeah, and, and toying. Um, and it's it's quite obvious he's playing him as a gay man. And you know, you wouldn't think of that being so blatant in a film that old, but it is, and it's wonderful to watch. Yeah, yeah I really like the whole those. movie. And that's another one. You've got Lugosi in heavy makeup playing uh, the dog boy, I guess, if, if is the best example of what he's playing. And, and, in and not knowing that he was uh, inspiring Devo in the future. <laughs> Speaking of Cleveland bands. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were Akron, but close enough. Close enough, yeah. Um, they, they they played in our store 
with 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 Marcus Bougie Boy in a playpen. Oh, cool! <laughs> that was such a weird mask. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, you know, I used to go see them in Akron and in Cleveland, and just mm-hmm. kind of stare at them in awe. <laughs> it's like, what is this? You know, they're incredible. And, they really they are, are an incredible and I, I, band. I had mixed feelings about them. It's like, I'm really impressed by this group. I'm really impressed by their devotion and their their how physical they were on mm-hmm. stage. But I'm kind of disturbed by it at the same time, you know, <laughs> which was intentional. Yeah, yeah. And they were also, not only were they being physical but they were so musically talented too that when you yeah. watch them play a song like satisfaction and the the way they jerk around in that robotic way that's not even yep. in sync with what they're playing it's just how are they doing that <laughs> it's mm-hmm. pretty incredible to watch and and their videos were amazing as mm-hmm. i mentioned earlier yes well, they did that whole the whole de-evolution video. What I think it was um, was it Mark's dad playing the Colonel who, yes. who explains yes. it all at the beginning, and then it just gets weirder and weirder as it goes on. <laughs> it's great. My my favorite video by them is Secret Agent Man. Yes, that's a really good one. <laughs> yeah. I'm a I'm a big fan of Jocko Homo. I I it's just such a great song, and the video for it's just bizarre. <laughs> True. Wonderful. <laughs> True. And they they had been playing around in, in Akron and even Cleveland for years mm-hmm. before they finally put out their first single. When you're seeing bands like that, did you ever like a band like Devo? Did you look at them and go, "Oh, they these guys are going to make it"? Did you ever ever have an ear for that, or did you even care? Well, uh, I I knew that around the time when. We put, you know, they played in our store and we went and saw them. Mm -hmm. Um, They were just about to get signed to a major label. And they got, they and and Perubu got signed to major labels at about the same time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, who knew that, you know, there'd still be a version of Perubu around now and that Devo, I don't think, they really exist anymore, but Mark Mothersbaugh is a major soundtrack guy now. So, you know, these oh, guys yeah. are still around doing their thing. Yeah, he plays everywhere. <laughs> you can hear his music on TV shows, movies, all sorts of things. Yeah, a lot of kids' shows. Mm-hmm. Well, Rugrats, and uh, I, that's the first one I can think of. But um, And when you hear it, you, if, as soon as you hear Mark Mothersbaugh as the, the writer of it, you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. It's kind of like Danny Elfman. Mm-hmm. They both have very distinct sounds that you can pick out. I, w- I was amazed as a guy selling records how valuable Oingo Boingo records are. I mean, they really? sell for pretty high money. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah so, if you got any, hold on to them. I do, actually. Same for, same for Weird Al Yankovic. His albums are really hard to find. He's still really popular, and right. people ask for him. <laughs> Have, do you like Weird Al? Oh, absolutely! You, yeah. How could did, you? Did not? you see the? Did you see the video he did, not too many years ago, called Foil? I don't. If you know. haven't, I recommend I haven't. it. Foil. Okay. okay, I will check that it's out. It's called Foil. F O I L. Okay. And um, it actually is 
about mind control and psychotronic mind control, and they even say psychotronic in it. Nice. And uh, and and Pat Oswalt is in it, who <laughs> who wrote about my book in one of his books. Mm-hmm. The so silver, I really got a kick screen. out of that. Yeah. Shoot. Yeah, I can't think of the title. Silver screen something that he wrote. Yeah, I've got that. Silver one. screen fiend or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah. He he writes about going to all the movies using my book and Danny Peary's books. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of how I lived my life. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it it is it's it's a word that is now defined um in dictionary psychotronic uh denoting or relating to a genre of movies typically with science fiction, horror, or fantasy theme that were made with a low budget and poorly received by critics. Um mm. it, that's not always true of course, but Not yeah. always true, but um it, how did it feel when this word, you didn't coin it, but you certainly put it into the lexicon uh, True. way more than, than any other medium did. Uh, how did it feel when suddenly it's it's a dictionary picked it up and said, hey, this is now a, a word that is in common use in the English language? Yeah, it showed up that, that quote from the dictionary that was like in the mid-80s, and I felt great about it. <laughs> yeah. It was wonderful. And um you know, the original origin of that word is Russian or from Russia, and it's basically was their version of MK Ultra kind of mindfuck stuff. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know that at first, but, um, I, you know, I, I've had such a good time with that word, and the, even, you know, I really like the typography of the word, and uh, I use it for everything. I mean, I've had three stores called Psychotronic, right. two books and two magazines, and, and there'll be more in the future. But, so, um, yeah. So tell me about your latest store. You're at Psychotronic Augusta, and yeah. uh, you do music, memorabilia. Uh, you've been established there how long now? Uh, 20, been 10 years here. 2012, 20, yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's going well, it seems. It's still open anyway. So that it's, it's primarily vinyl. Uh-huh. Um, I have stopped selling movies just because they're harder to sell unless you got really special ones. Right. Although that used to be our main thing was selling movies. And I, I do still sell movie posters, which I have a lot of fun with. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of original posters that I've gotten from various people. Um, I still have some that I got from uh, Eric Caden at uh, Hollywood Book and Poster oh, wow, years cool. ago, and some that I picked up in New York and in Europe, and I bought some from some local people. And we sell reproductions of classic movies. You know, I have The Mummy and King Kong and Metropolis and mm-hmm. Nosferatu, and they're all you know nice reproductions. And uh, I sell more of the reproductions than anything because they're very affordable. But right. we sell a lot of posters and a lot of vinyl, and uh, that's uh, that's our main thing. So, and you're in Augusta, Georgia, and what yep. what ended up taking you there from everywhere else you've been? Well, we had been living on Chincoteague Island, Virginia. We were there for over 10 years, had a store there. That was our second store. Mm -hmm. And uh, my wife, Mia, had a friend that she knew from Delaware who had moved down here. 
so he was kind of the connection and um he helped us find uh, a house and some property down here and i didn't really realize it when we first moved here but it's it's kind of like a family full circle thing because my family lived in augusta my ancestors in the 1800s yeah and 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 owned, owned land down here uh before they moved to texas and then oklahoma so uh there's there's some of my family history here and i've met some people here that i'm distantly related to with the same name and uh i intend to do more research about that in the future very cool well i i encourage listeners to check out the facebook page and the web page for psychotronic augusta i'm going to have that on uh the bio for this when i put this episode out uh, is there anything else you want to promote while we're talking here? Mm, well, yeah, I put a lot of stuff on Facebook because I'm lazy and I've been used to it for so long. There isn't much on Psychotronic.com, the website right now. Mm-hmm. What is there is old. There's some stuff working, worth looking at. Maybe I'll get back to developing that in the future. Right. Um, if anybody is in georgia please stop by i'd be happy to meet you um what else would i want to promote uh, nothing in particular at the moment okay well michael thank you so much for your time this has been just great it's uh, one of the great things about this is i'm getting to talk to people who have had such an influence on my life and of the people i've talked to uh, i'd say you and jack hill probably both have had more influence on me than anyone else <laughs> uh, Spider baby more than more than most teachers so <laughs> I, would, I would say wow. um just uh you definitely both of you changed my life in a lot of ways uh so well, how many I times think, have you watched switchblade sisters oh jesus i can't even count i don't know <laughs> and actually he doesn't he's not far from you he's in stone mountain down there um, I did not know that. What yeah. a place to be. Yeah, he he's just living there kind of being a Buddhist and um or not a Buddhist. What is it he is? He's he's I can't remember what the religion is now, but he got really into meditation and uh oh. kind of kind of fell into that and um is just kind of living his life down there now. Well, uh, I I don't meditate, but I'm married to a Buddhist. So oh, okay. I I have picked up some of that over the years. Right. <laughs> I've I've picked it up recently uh, in the last four or five years. I've I've started picking up meditation, and I try and do it on a regular basis. Of course, like everything else, you try, but you don't always get to it. But it's, it can be helpful. It's been very very helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, yeah, Jack. The 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 fact that I got his phone number and he answered and wanted to talk to me was pretty amazing so <laughs> have, have you interviewed him or are you planning to? I, I did interview him yeah he was one of my earliest yeah. interviews on here um and he's just an incredible guy i really fascinating guy yeah spider baby is a movie that every halloween my son and i have watched for as long as i can remember um all right it's just one that's been <laughs> it's one of my favorites so getting to talk to the guy who made that who discovered pam greer and sid haig and yeah uh, coffee and sid haig, Foxy yeah. Brown, you know all those things that he did i mean he was such an influence on the genre multiple genres horror and exploitation just an incredible guy and great 
great to talk to. Uh, Not to mention a nudist movie. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Jeez, <laughs> uh, I, Michael, this has just been great. Thank you so okay. much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, bye. That was Michael J. Weldon talking to us about all the cool stuff he's done with Psychotronic Magazine with Psychotronic Stores. If you're in the Augusta, Georgia area, be sure to check out the Psychotronic Store there. I'm going to try and make a trip myself. Next up, we've got Mitch O'Connell, pop culture artist, savant of all things cool and creepy and cult. He's a pretty cool guy. If you haven't seen his art, you need to check it out. You should follow him on Instagram. You'll hear more about him when I talk to him. That'll be next. Hey, get out in the world. Do your thing. But take care of your servers because it's the Walter Paisley Movie House and we do not piss on hospitality. Later, kids. <laughs>